With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Coltham Collective Podcast. For this, our last review of Doctor Who. Until Christmas. Call out the paparazzi, call out the and just a reminder, as always, the story has an end. So what you're about to hear are spoilers. Hello? Anyone home? Hello? Who are you? They're coming for you. They're going to send you back. Who's coming? Back where? In time. Back in time. I'm you. I'm you. to get back to my second childhood. I do it all the time. That's what it has me round for. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Well, um, we're going to get underway uh, again. Skipping news to get right down to the review show. And uh, we do that by finding out who is on the collective today. Joining us, it's Kobo4747. Hello, Kobo. Hello, Kobo. Hey the angels have got him. Huh? Oh, no. I'll go back to the 40s and get him. Uh, until then, Dark Skeptical is here. Hello, good sir. How are you? Very good. Thank you very much. I'm glad you remember Friday. <laughs> a gift. <laughs> and I just returned uh, with uh, Kobo in hand from, from being stolen away by the angels. If the unmute button works. There we go. Hello, Kobo. You're back from 1947. 
All right. Until then, Resident Alien is here. Hello, sir. Hello, how are you? Decided to break the code of silence this week. There you go. Good Glad to have you on board. <laughs> Good to be here. I had to manage my voice, sir. Oh. Ah. I think there's a bit of time dilation going on there, Ian. Yes, yes. That's what happens when he's back in the fort in, in 47, you see. <laughs> Are you there, Kobo? Yes, I'm here, Ian. Okay, good. good. Can you hear me? Cool. Yep, we can now. Oh. Glad to have you. Apologies for missing trivia last huh? Friday. Not a problem. The kicker is I, right. I would have done really well. <laughs> you would have won. I'm sure of it. <laughs> also joining us, Jeff, the seventh doctor is here. Hello, Jeff. Hello, my prior self. How are you today? I'm good, my future self. <laughs> Glad to hear it. It's all WWTW. <laughs> it took about half an hour for Perry to figure that one out, and I still had to say Wibbly at the beginning. <clears throat> <laughs> Poor Perry. <laughs> yes. Glad to be here today. Yeah. Um, Perry will not be with us, but uh, we, I have a couple of questions for him, which will be coming up at the beginning of the show, and maybe people will have some answers for. All right. Uh, also joining us, Mr. Tim Jury is here. Hello, Tim. Hello, Ian. Uh, fresh from a bit of virtual space travel of my own, went to the uh, the planetarium in Greenwich in London for the first time. And it's a bit like being in the TARDIS. They put gigantic planets above your head. <laughs> and the blue on the black, and the black on the blue, and the swirl of the blue, and the black and the blue. <laughs> oh, oh, best introduction to a film ever, uh, where, where the man introducing the film said, um, and as for mobile phones, uh, you needn't worry because there's 45 tons of copper above our heads. <laughs> <laughs> and no signal. They should do that in all cinemas. <laughs> <laughs> also joining us, and she just only emerged from the Conan time, it's Willis Girl. Hello. Hi, Ian and Dave. Today I decided to break out of the tone of silence. Yay! Hey. <laughs> They're all breaking out, I tell ya. <laughs> Mark's here, Gail's here, it's like, yay! <laughs> yeah, all that keep fits working. Exactly. <laughs> and last but not least, calling in from the electric telephone. It's Mr. Cuddly Ken. Hi, Ian. Hi, Dave. How are you doing today? Fine, thank you. Good, thank you very much, sir. Glad to hear. Hope you don't have an angel on your shoulder. <laughs> yeah, that's the one time <laughs> I don't want one. <laughs> Although I could go back and invent podcasting. Ooh, this is true. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's the people on audio. Let's see who's under the cone. Controls, new agent training program, section 3.5, the cone of silence. To activate, simply lower the cone and speak clearly. What? Do not overuse the cone of silence. What? Do not shout in the cone of silence. What? In fact, don't even use the cone of silence. What? It's never worked right. I don't know why we bought it in the first place. The portable cone of silence. What? And joining us under the cone today, we have Logan. My TARDIS, uh, first-time caller, has joined us. Welcome. Um, make yourself at home under the cone. Um, just ignore the mess on the floor in the corner. The maid hasn't been around in a while. Uh, 
Cybob is here. Um, you must have a talk to the maid, Cybob. It's just getting out of hand. Mike Randolph is here. Star Fury 9999 is here. Uh, we have a guest 12 and a guest 13. Um, come on in, make yourselves comfortable. Uh, later on, if you've... If, uh, if you hang around, we, we might unmute you and let you join the text chat. Um, but unfortunately, due to problems with uh, past guests, uh, we tend to be a little uh, more protective of unmuting guests. Um, so please hang in there. Thank you. And uh, Tom Baker's old scarf has joined us. Glad to have you along. All right, before we get into the show, uh, for those of you who have uh, just joined us on the last five episodes, uh, for our reviews of Doctor Who uh, and want to know how to, uh, to join the collective uh, for upcoming shows, here's how you do it. If you enjoy listening, why not join the collective and participate yourself? We're on TalkShoe. Call ID 54821. Call in on 724-444-7444. This is a US number, area code 724, so do check your calling plan before dialing in. If you have a SIP client, you can call in for free on 66.212.134.192. Or you can connect in directly via the shoe phone client if you have TalkShoe Live installed. Looking forward to hearing you. Alrighty, and uh, as promised before we get going on the show, um, Perry G can't make it today, but he wanted to pose a couple of uh, questions, really, uh, for the collective. So when it comes around to your turn, if you've got a, an answer, um, then uh, Perry would be uh, glad if you could answer. <laughs> uh, okay, his first question. Uh, why, is it something, why is something fixed just because you read it in a book? The doctor's always said, uh, well, said recently, that time is in flux all around him and uh, he can sense it. Uh, we've seen uh, times where he's you know, rewritten time, so, you know. That's an understandable one. Uh, his next question, uh, why, why did Rory and Amy have to stay in New York City? Uh, couldn't they move somewhere else that uh, wasn't at risk of being destroyed by a fat fracture in time and space thingamajig? Uh, that was his word, not mine. Uh, <laughs> or, is the, or is it the fact that uh, their fate is fixed uh, so the doctor can't interfere? Um, that's about it. Uh, uh, besides some niggles he had uh, about uh, what it means to be observed, etc., about the angels. Um, uh, he says, have a fun show, everyone, and he gives the uh, episode a rating of four out of five. So, as we move forward, keep those questions in mind, and uh, Dave. Okay, thanks, Ian. Uh, yeah, put the link into the wiki page if anybody wants to just to refresh their memory on any information. We'll be um, playing a clip and then uh, going to uh, Tim, uh, and uh, let's just get ourselves started with that. There's something different about you, isn't there? What's the book? Melanie Malone, she's a private detective in Old Town, New York. She's got ice in her heart and a kiss on her lips and a, a vulnerable side. She keeps well hidden. Oh, you read it? You read it, aloud, and then went yowza. No, only you could fancy someone in a book. I'm just reading it, I just like the cover. Ooh. It's your hair. Is it your hair? Oh, shut up, it's the glasses. I'm wearing reading glasses now on my nose, Steve. I don't like them, they make your eyes look all liney. No. Actually, sorry. They're fine. Carry on. Okay, I'm going to go get us some more coffee. Who wants more coffee? Me too. I'll go. Rory, do I have noticeable lines on my eyes now? Yes. No. You didn't look. I noticed them earlier. Didn't notice them. I specifically remember not 
noticing them. You'll walk among fire pits then, Turian. Do I uh, have to come over there? Kind of if you like. It is so humiliating when you do that. Can I have a go? <laughs> oh, actually, that is much better. That is exciting. <laughs> Reads to me. I thought you didn't like my reading aloud. Shut up and read me a story. Just don't go yowza. <laughs> Why did you do that? Oh, I always rip out the last page of a book. Hey, it doesn't have to end. I hate endings. As I crossed the street, I saw the thing guy. But he didn't see me. I guess that's how it began. And there we are. And we'll begin with Tim. Yes, um, had a, had a, I turned on Doctor Who last night and I thought, it's, it seems like some old film. It had all gone a bit Sam Stone. Or Sam, I can never remember, Sam Malone, or one of, a bit Humphrey Bogart anyway. And we had a voiceover, which I'm sure some people are going to object to, but I don't really mind voiceover in drama myself. I thought it set the scene rather well. Sam Spade, I'm informed by Darth. Thank you very much. Um, so, yeah, with the... the filmed this I think way back in the spring um, I don't know if we've got anyone in the room tonight from New York but um, it was good to see them make use of New York as a contemporary location because when it came out that they'd been filming in, in New York when it, when it came out they'd been filming in New York at first people thought oh they'll have been using the some of the older buildings and they sort of did a bit of both and used it as contemporary and used it as sort of I think it was 1930s but I'm not entirely sure but um, yeah it, it, there was some good use of time in this we had contemporary I think we had 1930s and then the doctor doing a river I think the term is <laughs> going all the way back to like the year 800 and putting a, a, a message on a Ming dynasty, dynasty vase that he knew she'd see. But, um, to answer the point made earlier, I think the reason they can't leave New York easily is because it's so full of time eddies. And so you might just wander into one of them trying to even just walk out of the city. At least that's what I kind of assumed, anyway. So, well, anyway, the angels are back. Uh, they're quite creepy and quite scary. Most of the episode, well, certainly when the angels appear, seemed to be set at night. Um, it it did have its moments of um, what can only really be described as somewhat over-the-top silliness, though, where Rory's up on a um, rooftop at one point saying, I always meant to visit the... Um, Statue of Liberty looks like she got impatient. <laughs> it's like this massive angel of the Statue of Liberty, which we've heard moving across the city, akin to some monster from Jurassic Park or the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man from Ghostbusters. Uh, we had a guest appearance from actor Mike McShane, who a lot of uh, Brits hadn't seen since uh, he was on Whose Line Is It Anyway on Channel 4 several years ago, and he's lost so much weight, some of them didn't even recognise him. 
I, I recognise the name as the credits went up, and I'm like, hang on, I know that name. I, rec- I recognised him, but I don't think I recognised him immediately, because he's probably been in other things on British telly, but I don't watch everything, and I just hadn't seen him for literally years. Mm-hmm. And um, he, he's gone from one of those actors who's qualified, who used to be employed to play at monks and things, <laughs> to, um, to um, sort of um, gangster role here, I think. But um, yeah, it was it was good to have an introduction that didn't feature the Doctor or or any of the regulars, and just sort of set the scene and set the the setting and that. Um, out of things, I think other people are going to pick up on and criticise, and I kind of have to agree with them a bit. Was the the bit where Rory gets locked in the cellar with the the cherub angels, and you, you you essentially hear them scuttling around when the lights are off. So so if you can't see them, they can actually walk around normally now, can they? I I I kind of had to put all criticisms aside by the end of this story because I I thought well I have enjoyed it a lot and it, and it was exciting and suspenseful and emotional, and Stephen Moffat created the angels. So if anyone has the right to change them, reinvent them, or expand their mythology, it's him. Just but, a um, minute, Tim. In Blink, they were worried about the light going out where the, uh, oh, oh, yes, the yes, garage yes, was. I, so, I, I had to agree with some people on Facebook last night, Dave, where everyone was saying um, Blink, they were handled far better. And I thought, well, yeah, well, the thing about Blink is it... it, it, it it's it's stuck by the KISS of certain levels of storytelling. Keep it simple. <laughs> if you go back and watch Blink, it's it, on some levels quite basic, but it's the basicness of it, the the clear cut rules that are made for the angels in that story, is why it it works and still works very well as an episode. And it it seems every time Moffat brings the angels back, he's he's thinking. Oh, I can't use them the same as last time. I have to do more with them. And but, but I, I it didn't ruin it for me. But it just it, I, at the time I was thinking, I, I can already hear people criticising this just because of the the efforts he's made to um, to expand them and that. But um, yeah, it, it was good to finally see another member of the cast put through um, prosthetic makeup. Uh, by uh, I think they're called Millennium Effects, and very effective aging makeup on uh, on Rory, and um, yeah, I I I I didn't cry. <laughs> I, I did didn't need Blog to Who's famous farewell to the pond set um, tissues, but I I I think I think the term goes back to uh, when uh, Rose was acted a few few years years ago where I had a moment oh yes of course Darth it is the second time Rory's aged uh, they did it in um, The Doctor's Wife as well so yeah but um not much more I can add really I thought it, I thought it was very well done it's very well to, to me it was very well directed as I said it had had its silly moments but there was some good guest appearances. It was good to see River again and she seemed to be better portrayed this time and 
possibly a bit a better mixture of light and dark. Did than, you not think she should knew before. too much, though, the Doctor? Because what we were led well, to believe was that I each time they met, the Doctor would know more about her, and she'd know less less about him. She, it's a trait of her character, I find, that she always seems to be one step ahead with the story. I think think she 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 certainly has done in in previous appearances where she may not necessarily know everything, but knows. But she knew more she was married doctor. to him. That's why I was concerned about. We I thought by now she we would don't, have lost that. In we don't uh, we don't know what part of her timeline this is, and we never quite well, had I mean, one of those scenes. Uh, we never had one of those scenes where they they get their diaries out and and check each other. So. Uh, mm. As far as far as star ratings concerned, I don't give fives very often, but I I think I think distant shortcomings. I'll give it a five, probably if for no other reason than I doubt anyone else will. I could be wrong, though. No. That, that's about all I have to say. So I'll, I'll leave plenty of room for other people to put their two pennies in now. Okay. Thank you for that. Uh, I'll play a clip, then we'll go to Kobo and Willis Girl, since you're on audio, rarely, we'll, we'll go to you, and we'll go to Resident Alien after that, so cause we, we don't often have your uh, input on audio. So here's input. the second clip. Just, yeah, in, here we go. He said, I just went to get coffees for the Doctor and Amy. Hello, River. Hello, Dad. Where am I? Did I get here? I haven't the faintest idea. But you'll probably want to put your hands up. Where did you get this book? It was in my jacket. How did it get there? How does anything get there? I've given up asking. Date, date. Does she mention a date? When is this happening? Yes, hang on. Uh, oh, April 3rd, 1938. You didn't come here in the TARDIS, obviously. Why? You couldn't have. Couldn't have? What does she mean, couldn't have? This city's full of time distortions. It'd be impossible to land the TARDIS here. 1938. We just bounced off it. Well, how did you get here? Vortex manipulator. The weeping angels. It makes sense. It makes what? That's what happened to Rory. That's what the angels do. It's their preferred form of attack. It's actually back in time. And what? Page 43. You're going to break something. And what? Why do you have to break mine, I asked the doctor. He frowned and said, because Amy read it in a book, and now I have no choice. Stop! No! No! Stop! You got, you got me the head. Once we know what's coming, it's fixed. I'm going to break something because you told me that I'm going to do it. No choice now. Time can be rewritten. Not once you've read it. River, I'm translating. It's a gift of the TARDIS. It hangs around. This one. Put him somewhere uncomfortable. With the baby, sir. Yes. Why not? The lights are out. You last longer with these. Uh, what do you care? It's funny. <laughs> Kobo. I loved this episode. Um, I loved the angels. It reminded me why I love the angels. I didn't like when the angels appeared last season. I forget 
the two titles of the story, then the whole image of an angel becoming an angel thing bothered the shit out of me. Pardon our French. Yeah, what's our rating, please? We're only A for all. <laughs> um, but it bothered the crud out of me last time, and I like the changes Moffat made. And if Moffat listens to this, please don't make any more changes. Angels are perfect the way they are. It was much more like Blink. Um. And I confess I did cry when Amy and Rory were on top of that building. I swallowed like a baby at that point. Any episode that makes me cry, I love. Any episode that can make me stop actively watching the Georgia Tennessee game, I love. Um, so yeah, this is right up there with um the end of time for me. And anybody who knows me knows exactly when I use that episode four. Oh. Yeah, that's saying an awful lot for me. And doesn't reading something in writing somewhere automatically create a fixed point in time? Because it's history more or less. So I didn't have a problem Perry did. And that's my answer to Perry's question. The very act of reading something makes a fixed point in time. And changing it would create a paradox. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it's certainly one view of it. Uh, I mean, it's one of those debatable ones, but certainly I don't. I think some people who may have had issues with it. Other people w- would take that as not conflicting with other things that have been said in the past. So you, you make your own decision on that one, I think. But the part did not bother me at all. And I happen to love the fact that the Statue of Liberty was a giant angel. I mean, come on. I'm brilliant. Uh, a bit cyber king for me, I'm afraid, but there you go. That's why I love because you didn't see the monster until the very end of the freaking movie, and this was Doctor Who meets Cloverfield. And it was just absolutely brilliant for me. I mean, of course, I had just gotten news about being confirmed with a neurosurgeon, so maybe I was seeing things with rose colored glasses. 
at the point when I was watching the episode. So, that could be a factor in why I'm giving this a 5 out of 5. Haven't been able to rewatch because my software took a nosedive on me, but as of right now, it's a 5. Okay. Thank you for that, Cowell. Um, well, I'll play another clip, and then we'll go to Willis Girl. Things are all over, and people don't seem to notice. It never moves while you're looking. Oh, I know how they work. So I understand. Melody Malone, a detective investigates angels. Badly damaged. I wanted to know if I could feel pain. You realize it's screaming. The others can hear. Is that why you need all the locks? They're deadly. What do you want with them? I'm a collector. What collector could resist these? I'm only human. That's exactly what they're thinking. Rory? 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 Sorry I'm late, honey. Traffic was hell. <laughs> Oh, I was pardoned ages ago, and it's Professor Song to you. Pardoned? Mm. Turns out the person I killed never existed in the first place. Apparently, there's no record of him. It's almost as if someone's gone around deleting himself from every database in the universe. Mm. You said I got too big. And now no one's ever heard of you. Didn't you used to be somebody? Weren't you the woman who killed the doctor? Doctor who? And we've got that uh, reference again in there. Not too sure about that. I but we'll go to Willis. Oh, it's very clear. He deleted himself from the darling database. And I would assume that most of the major databases in the universe are linked to the darling database. So. Because I was an evil, maniacal race, I would have worms that make only the information that we deem necessary available to the entire universe. And then I could very easily see the Daleks doing that. When you watch himself from the Dalek database, I took it. To mean every other database as well. So that makes well, at least sense the, the, they got, the, the, the thing is not so much deleting it in every place as much as deleting it in every time as well. So at least the Daleks do have that capability, I suppose. So it, it goes somewhat to explain it, certainly. But uh, we'll move on to Willis Girl, if we may now. 
Ya. Let's go, you're muted. Can you hear us? Hello? Yeah. 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 I was going to yeah, play a clip first talk, before yeah. I came on. Sorry. Uh. Um, I haven't called in much uh, because of what Tim said last week. So far, the episodes for this season have been, you know, nothing to rant or rave over. They've been, um, it's been like a very even keeled season except for the season opener, which I hated because it completely went against everything that uh, one would expect of the Daleks. Uh, As far as uh, the Angels take Manhattan, I had an overall girly reaction to that episode. I cried. I admit it, I cried. (laughs) Um, Not because Amy was going to be leaving, but my favorite character was leaving, Rory Arthur Williams the lone centurion, a man who would wait 2,000 years for his woman was leaving. So that really uh, made me sad. Um, uh, overall, like I said, I, I, I enjoyed the heck out of this episode. It's a five out of five for me, definitely. Um, in this episode, I found that the relationship between the doctor and River seemed more real to me. It wasn't so flirty-flirty. It seemed like an actual real life marriage or relationship. And uh, that's about it, I suppose. Oh, oh, answers to Perry. Let's see here. Uh, first one was, why is something six? Because it's written in the book. Um, uh, we don't particularly know that. I, I'd say maybe because um, uh, River wrote it and he has a direct relationship with River and um, her favorite little tagline is spoilers. So she sort of has an idea of where things will end up and where they will end up, I suppose, will be fixed according to the doctor. Um, Why do they have to stay in New York? Simple. They have to stay in New York to raise River. I feel eventually they will um, meet River and get to raise her and then send her off to Ledworth to meet them as uh, teenagers. Uh, And That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, my and, thought was about them having to stay there was the fact that the the gravestone was there, so it was predetermined that that's where they were going to die. Yeah, that's true. I think they also will meet up with River, which is why she wasn't that um, torn up about sending them uh, about the angels sending them back to the past. Because remember, right. um, she probably knows ahead of time what's going to happen, so she knows that they probably have to be sent back to the past. So that she can eventually meet them in '69, and they can raise her. Which I think Wait, will really happen. Sorry, I got to jump in here. That makes no mathematical sense at all, though, because they're already in 1938. River in New York is in the '60s. We don't know so if they were sent directly back to 1938. No, no, they're in 38. The episode takes place in 38. Yes, but where the angel sent them back the second time, we don't know if they, they were sent, sent back sent again back to, to an earlier time. Yeah, 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 yeah later times. No, no. They're getting sent back from 1938 to an earlier point, probably in the late 19th century. They're not getting sent anywhere close to River in New York. River in New York is the well, 60s. 1960s. No, no I, I, I think you're wrong there, Doris, because um, when they arrive back at, at the... Um, at the cemetery... Oh, oh, oh yes, you're right. You it was back, back in, in 2012. Right, right. Yeah. And he was 82 yeah. in 2012. Well, 
Oh, you don't well, know how long that gravestone would be there. Of what kind of damn tombstone never gives the date of death or the date of birth? I mean, the tombstone's ridiculous. But yeah, I guess you're right. I'm sorry. I take I take your point. They could have, I guess, gone back to the '60s, roughly. Well, yeah. even if it was even if it was 38, they could still have raised, you know, the infant river. No, I think I think you're on the, on the right lines. I was wrong. They they do go back to 2012, and then from there they end up, I guess, 30 or 40 years in the past. Yeah, it's usually 30, 40 years. And so, yeah, something like that. Uh, but really, Australia, 50. But, yeah. If you look at the, if they're supposed to be 82 and 87, then I guess that's really more like. You know, anyone who assumes that they're about 30, you know, that, that's really, yeah, they're going back. I, I guess, but, yeah. All right, sorry, didn't mean to. No. Uh, well, let's go. Um, anything more you want to add? And do, 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 I mean, you, you obviously have made love the episode. Come on, that's great. Yeah. Totally love the episode. Best ever oh. this season so far. Oh, that's good. That's good. All right, so um, if, once we've gone around the room, we'll, we'll give everybody, I'm sure, another chance to chat. So um, we'll, we'll be going to uh, Mark next, but I'll play another clip. So is this what's going to happen? We just keep chasing him back in time, and they keep pulling him further back. He isn't back in time. I'm reading a displacement, but there are no temple markers. Come on, come on, come on, where is he? If it was that easy, I'd get you to do it. How did you get your wrist out without breaking it? You asked, I did. Problem? You just changed the future. It's called marriage, honey. Now hush, I'm working. Okay, um, when all those numbers on both units go to zero, that's when we've got a lock, okay? That's how we find Rory. Got it. Why did you lie to me? When one's in love with an ageless god who insists on the face, of a 12-year-old. One does one's best to hide the damage. You must hurt. Yes. The wrist is pretty bad, too. Generation energy. Nothing is gained by you being a sentimental idiot. River! Oh, you embarrass me! River! There's a few things there I want to mention later, but it's not my turn. It's Mark's. Hello, hi. Nice to be, uh, be on again, Diane. Hi, everybody. Um, yeah, I absolutely love this episode. It's a gorgeous episode to me. I want to hear, I'm hoping, I mean, I never know what Darcy's going to say because I listen in, even when I'm not on. I always listen to the shows when I'm commuting in, but uh, I'm hoping that we're going to hear Darth say today that it looked gorgeous. That's what I want to hear him say, because I think this episode looked gorgeous. I think it was uh, beautifully directed, and it's the kind of episode where I just wanted to pause and look at certain shots. I thought it was beautifully, beautifully shot. 
And I think that would be my number one thing. I, I don't think I've seen such a beautiful-looking episode in a long time. So it's my overwhelming thing. I'd want to add, as well, a little bit from the sort of um, dad perspective. And it's been interesting watching my kids growing up with Doctor Who because when it started back in 2005, when it came back, uh, they just adored it as kids. They were about sort of 10 and 7 back in 2005, and they loved Eccleston. They both still say that Eccleston's their favourite uh, doctor. And by now, they've almost completely checked out of it. And I was very sorry to hear one of them say yesterday, I don't think I like Doctor Who anymore, before it went on, she's now 50. And... Um, to my delight, though, once she watched this episode, she said, gosh, she said, I was just saying that I didn't like Doctor Who, and this episode was just wonderful. She loved it. So that, for me, is a sort of good indicator of how good it is, uh, this episode, especially at bringing in the uh, teenagers, you know, because that, there's a hardened cynic for you. A teenager that thinks they've outgrown Doctor Who feels suddenly recaptured by an episode like this. So... I think uh, that's one of the things I'd want to underline. I suspect this one will go down really well with uh, lots of the kids and teenagers and so on. There's a few things um, that, having said all of those uh, positive things, that bothered me. And it's it's nice that you played the clip you just did, <laughs> Dave, because one thing that really did my head in was uh, that regeneration energy thing with the hand. I mean, when that happening, I'm just thinking, oh my goodness, is, is, is the Doctor now, you know, kind of some sort of magic man, you know, where he, he just heals people at, 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 a, at a stroke. I really didn't like that. That, to me, is not in the spirit of Doctor Who. I don't like the idea that right in the middle of a regeneration, not, well, right in the middle of, you know, a current generation, that he's somehow still got this regeneration energy that he can turn on at will. Uh, I, I like regeneration to be a complete mystery, something that almost is a mystery to the doctor himself. I don't like the idea that he can switch it off and on at will. So that was a bit of a disappointment to me, I must say. Could could you rationalise it? I rationalised it somewhat by saying mm-hmm. that, of course, it was River Song's own regeneration that she'd given to him. So yeah. he may not be able to... I mean, obviously, the, uh, the, the, the merchant in the spaceship before with the broken leg, he didn't use it to mend his leg. And we certainly don't want him going around mending everybody. Yeah, I mean, it'd be just like another sonic screwdriver get, getting it yeah. out and fixes. Yeah. Um, I, I thought, although they could have explained it a little bit, that um, you know, it's only you I can do this to, because you know, we've got this bond, this connection, because she gave all her regenerations to him in Let's Kill Hitler. Yeah, I wonder, yes, I wondered if that was okay. And to be honest, I didn't like, uh, and that actually does, yes, I wondered about that as well because it's because it is River. And But that does kind of hark back to a, a, a bit of uh, Let's Kill Hitler I didn't like either, which was the giving of all the lives to him. That that seemed daft to me as well. But but yeah, point, point well taken, Dave. That's, that's a good point. Uh, and Mike what, what, has put in text as well, just for those people listening to the audio. Um, he used uh, 10 years of his life to give energy to the TARDIS uh, you know, when the TARDIS had no power, the 10th Doctor, I think it was, when 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 they found it. just a little bit of life left in it and he, he oh, put yeah. some life into it. Yes, yes, that's right. I remember that now you say. Okay, well, that helps me a little bit. Um, but if I can jump in here, you know, what would have been great is instead of it being him putting his hand over it, if he had blown onto it, like, you know, you, you know like a mother blows a boo-boo on a kid, you know what I'm yeah. talking about? Yeah. If it had been that, and then it would have been evocative of that moment from um, 
but whatever that but is. The doctor's, the, the doctor's Age of Steel or Rise of the Cybermen. No, no, Rise of the Cybermen that, that Mike is talking about. Um, and, and it would have made sense in that, in that way, but because they used basically the same um, blocking, I guess we'll call it, as was used in Let's Kill Hitler, which is the laying on of hands, I, I, I very much take the point that's being made here that it feels wrong. And the reason that it feels wrong is because in Let's Kill Hitler, it was rationalized as she's still in the first 15 hours of the regeneration. So therefore, this is something that you can do in that period of time. Whereas, you know, if you'd blown on it, then that would have been, again, evocative of something that's clearly outside of the normal regeneration pattern. So I, I very much take the point that's being made. It felt wrong, but yet I do think that there is a rationalization that can be made. It's just I think the director screwed up, basically. Yeah, oh, they're all good qualifications. They, they help me feel a little less bad about it, but I'm pleased to hear that others kind of agree with the point. Um, another thing which... Um, I don't know what to make of this or not. The, I mean, the Melody Malone book is kind of brilliant. It's, it's a gorgeous idea, brilliant idea. But to me, the idea that because this has been written in a book, which is a sort of bit of historical fiction from the way it's being told anyway, the idea that that somehow fixes these things in time... I don't know whether that's brilliant or utterly preposterous, and I'm worried that if I think about it too much, I think it will get completely preposterous. And there's an element to it as well, which is that it's not only a question of what's written in the book, it's whether people know what's written in the book. And so the stuff's written in the book anyway, and, and, and the idea that somehow if you don't know what's written in the book, you'll be, you'll be kind of better. I mean, is that a brilliant comment on free will, or is it a kind of um, ham-fisted, weird sort of attempt at some kind of comment on free will and determination. I don't know. I, I'm, I, I just couldn't quite work out what to make of all that. And I, I think by the end, and then having him running for the last page, kind of brilliant on a sort of storytelling level, but I wonder if I thought about that too much, it would begin to dissolve a bit. And it's another theme again, I, 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 you know, we get a lot in the modern era is, is, you know, kind of are things, you know, are things fixed? Are there fixed points in time? Are they written? Can time be rewritten? And so on. And this is one of those episodes that dwelt to touch too much on that for me. But um, that's, a, well, that's it, a bit of a nitpick. I like, this, I like the idea of this book and the, the idea that River's written it. That was kind of a nice twist. Of course, uh, during the course of this story, written, uh, River hasn't written the book because at the end she said, I better go and write the book now. Yeah. So she wrote yeah. it as it had played out. So uh, she knew what had happened because she hadn't written, uh, you know, because mm. she'd lived through the events. So then she writes the events. And then that becomes the event. So it was a, a little bit of a, 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 a was it a logic loop or whatever you want to call it. But um, yeah, and and that's why she says. And um, one assumes that that's the living as well. It explains how uh, Rory and Amy make their way in the world because uh, she says she sends it to Amy to publish. So we assume that that's mm. how uh, you know she becomes a good publisher. You know, uh, mm. I think I'll, uh, yeah, she probably published Fifty Shades of Grey as well. You know. Got some money out of it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. A few things you could do, isn't it, if you were projected back a century or so. Oh, oh yeah. Is this Harry Potter book? I think I'll take that one up. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Just make sure you take your Kindle with you when the when the when the angels zap you. Make sure you've got something in your pocket. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I kind of like this theme, but it was, I don't know, I, I just think it's one of those things that if you thought about think about it too much, I'm not sure whether it will get kind of more brilliant, you know, in the sense that it give you lots more to reflect on, or whether you just think, actually, this doesn't really stand up. I don't know, That that's one which, uh, I just wonder if it was a little bit too much of it, but um, there's, a, there's, there's one other thing I, I'd like to mention before, you know, letting other people, you know, come in as well, um, 
the I, 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 again, this is one way I don't know what to make of it, but I felt we were being so built up for an interesting kind of bit of you know continuity over the last four episodes. Like, you know, we've all been speculating, haven't we, on uh, you know what stage is it in Amy's timeline and what stage in the Doctor's and Doctor's age, you know, is different. And then it looked like um, last week's episode, you know, was was taking place for long uh, with the time, and then we had the Henry VIII bit in the middle of it, which referenced and we'd already had referenced uh, in was it dinosaurs in a spaceship, and you know, we've had all of that going on, and Amy aging, and in the beginning of the episode, the whole beginning of her aging, and I just thought, you know, what happened to all of that? I mean, why did we have to have that for the last four episodes of going on about on and on about and aging and about you know differences in timeline? And uh, I mean, are they are they all just red herrings, or is it just they're trying to say, you know, they're getting on a bit and so on. It, it seems to me that it, it felt like, maybe it's just that we've seen too many Stephen Moffat stories, but it felt like they were setting up some really clever resolution of some sort that was going to come today. Well, and I was wondering... You could argue that they had to age so that in 2012 they would have already been dead. Right, I'm not quite following if the angels send you back 40, 50 years mm-hmm. and they were going to be 30 when they were sent back, then they're mm-hmm. going to be 80, therefore likely to be dead and therefore their fate has been sealed. Oh, right. the yeah. Where yeah. If, it, if, it, if, if they were only 23 or 4 still, because like, I think Tim had said that they've only been with the Doctor you know, in, in three series, as it were, then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they could be bump, you know, it could be one of those where you see an old couple walking down the street and right, yeah, yeah. Robbery, you know? yeah, yeah, okay, okay, um, yeah, but 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 uh, yeah, I, I thought that was I I couldn't quite work out why it was so. I mean, I, I just wonder whether it's one of the problems with with being in Doctor Who fandom that in the end we spend so long speculating, we're encouraged to do it because Moffat's so good at these. Uh, these twists and turns and I don't know it's not just the aging it's just the, the this sort of feeling that we've been watching things a little out of order out of Amy's and Laura's order out of the Doctor's order and it, it, I suppose it turns out that that's just because he wanted things to be a bit more episodic maybe that's the thing it's not like a kind of you know continuity rich you know causal sequence of this then this then this it was it was you know dropping in and out of of, of different episodes so I just wonder, I just felt there was going to be some kind of very clever resolution that was going to cause some sort of great time anomaly and maybe link into some of these other things that we're all still wondering about, like the exploding TARDIS and silence falling and things. And the longer it gets away from some of those things, the more I think, you know, are we just being teased and then these things are being dropped? So I, I don't know that there was something out there, but but like like any great episode, I think that there's more to talk about. It, because you know when you've enjoyed it, you know all the more. And I, I really, this was easily the highlight of the season. I, I thought this was a, was a clear fire for me, mm. more than anything else, because I think it just looked fantastic, and it did make me cry as well. But then um, I'm a bit of a softy when it comes to these things, so you know it checked that box for me, as they say in America. Good. Oh, I don't know. You can't come out with phrases like that, young man. <laughs> <laughs> Can you came home to the UK. <laughs> okay then if uh, that's all you want to say at the moment we'll uh, I'll play another clip and then we'll go to Jeff followed by Darth here we go did that play it didn't nope. 
Someone, please, tell me what is going on. I'm sorry, Rory. But you just died. And that was a bit of a blink moment, wasn't it? I wonder if it just the rain, it started raining outside, or the rain had stopped. Never mind. Uh, let's go to Jeff. I liked this episode quite a bit. Um, it was emotional, which um, we don't see a whole lot of in the Moffat era. We had a lot more of that in the RTD era, era uh, but it's it's good to see it come back. Uh, I, I, too, am a softie. I did cry at the end. Um, I didn't think I would because I was not a huge Amy fan. Uh, so... I was mildly surprised by that. Um, I didn't understand. I've only seen the episode once. I didn't understand why Rory went into the building where the angels were uh, toward the beginning. Uh, can, can anyone explain that to me? He, he just seemed to be kind of wandering around and went into the building. Yeah, I was wondering that myself. I still am. Because he got displaced to he got displaced outside it, didn't he? Yeah, he just got displaced to the threshold outside of it. The doors open. Being a curious person, he walked through. That's it. Okay. Um, I guess I wouldn't do that myself, but (laughs) I guess I I would wander around outside trying to figure out where I am. I mean, if, if you appeared in front of a building and the doors opened magically, you wouldn't go through, really? Probably not. Well, yeah. let me let me put this spin on it because uh, uh, he's just being chased around by a whole bunch of uh, cherub statues, and this building, from the shots we see from outside, is surrounded by statues. That'd be the last place I go. Yeah, I agree with you, Ian. Uh, I wouldn't have gone in. He was looking for somewhere to hide as well, though, wasn't he? Yeah, and so you can't stay out on the street. It's one of those things where you. It, I mean, I can see where you're coming from, Darth, um, but. You know, it's one of those things that's like, yeah, it requires a bit of, you know, thinking. You know, it's like, it doesn't seem to be anything compelling him to go in there and then go into the elevator and, you know, then go down the hallway and, you know. I mean, if you said yeah. that they were, you know, tele- uh, telepathically, you know, you know, pushing him towards then, then, you know, that'd get too, but again, you've got to read in. 
But anyway, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I would have. I guess I would have ran down the street looking for some help, or <laughs> trying to figure out where I am, looking for a map or something. I don't know, but that's me. Um, something else I didn't understand is how the people that were in this building were sustained by the angels. They obviously would need food, clothing, heat, whatever. Um, and it just didn't seem like there was any method to get this stuff into them so that they could live the rest of their lives in the building. Now, obviously, Rory was in there for quite a while before he died, so I, I didn't understand that. Well, presumably they come and lay the food in the middle of the night, so when they wake up, there's the breakfast. Yeah, I suppose you could read that into that, but... Uh, I guess this episode needed to be longer or maybe two parts because there was just so much left out or left to the imagination uh, that needed explaining. The biggest problem I had with this episode was the Statue of Liberty. Mm. How can this thing just leave its pedestal, walk around, stomping around, making all this noise without anybody going outside and looking at it having it therefore freeze where it is. Uh, th- that just didn't make any sense to me. Uh, and th- that was the biggest failing of the episode, in my opinion. Um, I I mean, I, I, I kind of see why they set this building where they set it. Um, basically, so it, basically it's just a walk across you know, the water. Um, but still, I mean, the, the first time we see it... Um, there's all sorts of people looking out the windows, you know, when the guy's walking up to the door. And it's like um, they didn't hear the, <laughs> the, you know, the thump, thump, thump. But, I, I mean, you can see that it basically, I mean, it has to walk past Governor's Island to get to the building. But, you know, there's not a lot of city in the way. It doesn't have to walk through the city, just right up and behind the building, which I'm assuming is right on, you know, right on I the I think water. it was a definite so, clip put in just for for the previews and the, the wallpaper and that. It seemed to be shoehorned in somewhat. It, it, yeah, I, I, that for me was the the only real issue I had with the whole story. I liked most of it. Well, see, my problem with the whole Statue of Liberty thing is that there are sound effects of the footsteps. Because mm. in no other case do Weeping Angels make any sort of noise at all. That's the whole thing that's frightening about them. You turn your back, right. boom, they're on you, and you don't hear them yeah. coming upon you. And I can well imagine that there might be, at night, even in New York, a point where nobody is looking at, you know, for the blink of an eye, that nobody's looking at the Statue of Liberty long enough for it to come up on the um, um, that building. And the reason that it sort of halts there, you know, because it doesn't move anything once it gets to the building. It's got its mouth open or whatever. It halts there because at. somebody is looking at it at that point. So... I mean, it, it seemed fairly realistic to me, but the problem is the footsteps. The footsteps make yeah. it seem like it's a longer journey than it really is. Yeah, but don't you think if somebody actually saw the thing, even at the building, that it would be stuck? Because then you'd get a whole crowd of people uh, coming to see, the, come see it distance, there. It but it is that stuck. In an instant, I suppose. That's what. It is stuck, though. You never see it after it hits the building. You never see it move after that. So how does it get back to where it's supposed to be? Then everybody blinks. 
no, 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 no. That's all right, easy, Jeff. Because the point is when Rory and uh, Amy throw themselves off the balcony, all that is reset anyway. Yeah, but don't forget there's the the time before that where you've got the the private detective who has a similar situation. And so at some point it does go to the building and then back to Liberty Island. Um, So, I mean, I think, you know, again, it's nighttime. It's not something that's happening in the daytime. There is a, I think there's absolutely the, the possibility that, you know, as fast as the Weeping Angels have been shown to move in the past, that it could get, you know, from there to Keyside to back and do it at nighttime because not that many people are going to be up. It's that crazy Orson Welles doing another uh, radio broadcast. <laughs> Actually, instead of the, the footsteps, we should have had a much louder, you know, uh, noise like the Angels. You know, make when they move. You know that that would be better yeah. than the footsteps. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, yeah, and of course, it yeah. is New York in the thirties. This this particular scene, isn't it? So it's not like it's. I don't know when they started floodlighting the uh, Statue of Liberty, but you know, it, it the Statue of Liberty that moved was the one in the in the thirties, wasn't it? Right, right, right. I, I I still have a problem with it. I I just don't see in the city that never sleeps that it that thing could move around like that but uh we have a difference of opinion there that's fine okay. <laughs> and willis girl has in chat jeff it's a show about a man that travels in space and time in a police box <laughs> okay <laughs> you have a point there willis girl you have a point um but but this this episode does challenge you would you jump off the building yourself to fix the problem, to create the paradox, to make the angels go away? If it was me, I probably would. Even even if there was a chance that it would not fix it, because you know you're, you're trapped anyway, and you have to find a way out, and that might be the only way out. So I, I probably would. And then my wife and I had a conversation uh, at for the end of the episode where Amy let the angel touch her. Or she touched the angel. I'm not sure which. Would would you do that for your spouse so you could be with your spouse? And we both said yes. And I guess that just says something about our marriage. But uh, um, and and there's that emotional part of the episode. And I don't know why I was crying, but my wife wasn't during that scene. So I don't know if that says something about us um, individually or not. But. Uh, I, I did enjoy the episode quite a bit, uh, and we we got another hint of this being out of sequence. Uh, last week in The Power of Three, there was a reference at the beginning of the story when the doctor was there about Amy getting her reading glasses, and he's surprised that she has reading glasses in this episode. So is he doing some sort of tour uh, going back with Amy and Rory after this adventure that we had last night? I'm not sure, but uh, it, it seems like a recurring theme that we have stories taking place out of sequence this series. So to me, it's possible that this story takes place before The Power of Three. Um. 
I, I think this was the second best episode of of this series. I, I for whatever reason, I ha- I disagree with the majority of people. I like the Asylum of the Daleks a lot. I gave that a four point five. This one, I'm going to give a four point two five. It's almost as good. Uh, there's just I think more nibbles with this story than than with Asylum. And that's my review. Okay. Well, excellent. Uh, let's uh, let's move on to another clip, and then we'll go to Darth. What is going to happen to me? What is physically going to happen? The angels will come for you. They'll zap you back in time to this very spot 30, 40 years ago. And you will live out the rest of your life in that room until you die in that bed. And will Amy be there? No. How do you know? Because he was so pleased to see you again. Well, they haven't taken me yet. What if I just run? What if I just get the hell out of here? Then that never happened. It's already happened, Rory. You've just witnessed your own future. Doctor, he's right. No, he isn't. If Rory got out, it would create a paradox. What is that? This is the angel's food source. The paradox poisons the well. It could kill them all. This whole place would literally unhappen. It would be almost impossible. Lovingly almost. But to create a paradox like that takes almost unimaginable power. What have we got? Hey, tell me. Come on. What? I won't let them take him. That's what we got. Okay. Uh, Let's go to Darth, please. Well, um... I, I think that one of the things that this uh, episode shows us is the the value of spoilers, because really, you know, narratively, this thing is about not being spoiled by the the book that's been written that they get their hands on and how that might mess up time and things like that. But I think in a, in a more meta way, it is also um, something that has a lot to do with spoilers, because there, there are two things here that I've been talking about for like six months I guess on this podcast uh, and why it's good to protect yourself from spoilers and how that might affect your enjoyment of the show and the first thing is you know and I know that a lot of people disagree with me but I absolutely think that it is a spoiler to have the names of guest stars and or crew members revealed to you before you get in there because you enjoy the show a lot more and I think that um, the surprise of seeing Mike McShane here was delightful. I mean, Mike McShane is one of these recurring guest actors on both sides of, of the Atlantic um, who just makes everything that he's in just a little bit better. You know, in Seinfeld, he's Newman's adversary at the post office, and he's great. The toe-to-toe of him and Wayne Knight, great. Um, and, of course, in Britain, you, you know, you have him probably most famous as uh, Tim was saying before of as being in um, the British version of Whose Line Is It Anyway? And he's really, to my mind, the only American who ever gave John Sessions, who is just the master of that game, um, any kind of run for his money. Um, so to suddenly have somebody of Mike McShane's talent in Doctor Who and to not know about it is one of the best things about this entire series so far for me and I'm, I'm so glad that I didn't know that so you know anybody who says ah, it's been officially released by the BBC this person's going to be in Doctor Who 
so therefore it's not a spoiler. I think you're wrong. I mean, I really think you're wrong, and you're denying yourself the pleasure of enjoying Doctor Who's surprises. The other thing uh, where I think that, you know, the BBC was stupid, and maybe even Moffat himself, because I'm sure he has final edit on any kind of trailer cut, is, you know, the Series 7A trailer, which is the only kind of spoiler that I had going into this thing, and the only reason I got spoiled by it was because it was plopped down in the middle of the Olympics where I least expected it. Um, but unfortunately, that trailer shows what? It shows Weeping Angels. I think it's only a Cupid, you know, so that's a little bit different, but if you know anything about Doctor Who, you know that's got to be a Weeping Angel of some stripe. And so throughout these in the, the series so far, I've known that there are Weeping Angels somewhere which was a bad thing, because let's face it, if you know anything about Weeping Angels, and you know, in addition to that, the other spoiler that was officially released, that this is, you know, going to be the last journey of Amy and Rory, it really doesn't take a genius level in intellect to say, oh, okay, if if the Weeping Angels are in the last episode, then the way that these two characters depart from the series is that they get sent back in time. I mean, that's just obviously what's going to happen. And so this entire time I've been going, you know, episode one, please let the angels be here. No, Daleks. Episode two, please let the angels be here. Nope. Episode three, no. <laughs> episode four, no. And so what I knew after last week was the ending of this story. And I think that sucks. And I think it robbed me of any kind of suspense over how this episode was going to play out. And that's a real tragedy because... This episode is, in a vacuum, uh, one that's got an incredible structure. And I quite agree with Resident Alien, who was speaking before, who said, you know, the thing of using this book um, and the writing of this book as a a narrative thread that's going through the, the spine of this episode is really very clever. And I think watching the episode the first time through, you are very much drawn along by it. That, that lovely narrative thread, and it keeps you scared. And I do think that the, you know, because of how gorgeous this episode is, and I quite agree with Resident Alien, the cinematography here is um, pretty damn amazing. Not to mention the fact that they make really good use of New York. Um, all of it looks great, and the, the Weeping Angels probably have never been quite this scary, I don't think. At least filmed in quite a scary way. I mean, Blink is really good. This is clearly superior use of the, the uh, Weeping Angels over the last time we saw them, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, in terms of how they, the fear that they brought and, and that scene, that, that great scene of Rory trying to strike the matches quickly, that's really good. And then, you know, filming down after he's been zapped away or whatever, filming down and seeing, oh, there are just all these match stubs everywhere. I mean, that's just a chilling sort of thing image to have so that part of it was done really well but you know the the emotional crux of the episode is how do they leave and that whole thing it doesn't really work um i'll talk about that a little bit more later but let's just you know i want want to bring up some other things from the the behind the scenes stuff first of all this is uh, I think we can now say after five episodes, six, if you include uh, the Christmas special, that we are coming to a at least a more complicated arrangement in, in terms of visual effects, and we may be gradually phasing the mill out. I'm not quite sure. 
But now this is, I think, the third consecutive episode where the mill has either not got entire credit for doing the visual effects or um, I know that one episode, I think it was the Mercy episode, they, did, they weren't even credited at all with doing the visual effects. And I think that's the first episode of Modern Doctor Who where the mill, actually the first episode since Curse of Fatal Death where the mill did not do the visual effects on an episode of Doctor Who. And here again, we've got a new company coming in for this episode called Stargate. And um, it, it, it's interesting. I think that the special effects actually are working out to be quite better this time around than they were, say, in Series 5, um, where I think a lot of those effects looked like they had been done on a budget and weren't quite as good as they could have been. Um, and I think can, I, this, can I ask that, sure. Darth? Is that likely that it was because they were in America and they had to use, you know, uh, to get more, you know, to get the permission to do it in America, had to employ more American people on on the episode, and therefore I, I know nothing doing it. about Stargate Studios. I don't know where right. they come from, but I will tell you that is certainly that has not been the um, the trend this season. I mean, we know that they're using um, another visual effects house. Since um, the, uh, the Christmas special, uh, it's called Space Digital. Space Digital came in again with the Christmas special and has has been sort of doing finishing for them. Like they've been doing sort of on, on certainly on the Christmas special, what they were doing was adding more sparkle to the snow, adding you know a chill in the air, add, you know, adding sort of ambiance effects that that sells the scene better overall, um, and it. I think I'm right in saying there's only one episode, I think it's the Silent Daleks maybe, that it's all the mill. Otherwise, since the Christmas special, it's been the mill and somebody else, or just, as in the case of the Western, just Space Digital. Um, and Space um, Digital is very definitely a British firm, so it's not an American thing. There's yes. a, a, a reason for the use of Stargate Studios. Um, they specialize hmm. in, um, in uh, backlot uh, stock. Oh, um, okay. From their website, if you go there, it's, it's, it's a lot of virtual backlots. Um, so, oh, it's a, fair enough. Yeah, it, it was probably yeah. cheaper in the long run to employ them because I'm sure they've got a ton of New York. <laughs> right. So yeah, and then, but uh, as oh, just as they're 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 based uh, yep. in South Pasadena, but they're around the world too. So. Okay, so this is in contradistinction to what they did with Daleks in Manhattan, where they actually did send the mill. Mill had a second unit or whatever that went out and got plates and all that stuff, mm. and then took modern buildings out of it. Uh, so they just hired somebody that just did that already. Well, that makes sense. Mm. Um, but I think I think that's an interesting th- development that's happening behind the scenes because I think you'd have to say this season, in terms of the visual effects purely, they've been pretty exceptional. Um, especially compared to earlier in the Moffat run. I don't know if they're necessarily as good as, you know, where we were with, say, when, we, when, the, when the show was really flush with cash um, back in, like, Series 2, and we could do this all digital werewolf, you know, and hire somebody specially to come in and do that, or, like, with the Adipose where you hired the guy who worked on Lord of the Rings and developed, you know, crowd effects, you know, Academy Award-winning guy to come in and just do your Adipose. Um hmm. But nevertheless, whatever they're doing is certainly improving the visual effects of the thing, and that's a really good thing. Um, 
I also feel compelled to talk about the Americana here because I, I do this every time we have an American set episode since we've been getting more of them. Um, and a shout out to people who don't, we don't normally talk about, and that's the set decorators because it's almost certainly their bailiwick here of you know Adrian Anscombe who's been set decorator forever. Um, if you look at the, the the very first scene, and I saw this the first time I went through, I've only seen this thing twice. But there's this one scene that shows you what a set decorator can do and also what they can't do, uh, or it rather shows the good and the bad. Um, there's the, 25, the stack of $25 bills um, on, the de- on Grail's desk that he gives to the, um, the private investigator. Amazingly good, just great, great thing that they did by simply flipping the dollar bills over. And I think that show, for British concern, I think that shows some real insight that somebody, and it's probably Adrian Anscombe, did some research. Might have been Michael Pickwood who you know came in and said to make sure that the bills are turned over. Because, of course, 19, the, the, that scene's set in 1938, right? 1935 is the time where FDR changes the back of the dollar bill to what it is today. And the back of the dollar bill is the oldest uh, face in U.S. currency. So, therefore, if you just flip the bills over, there's no dispute. You can't say, oh, those aren't 1938 dollars. Yeah, they are, because that design has been around since 1935. So very clever, I think, to, to do that. And I, I give them full props for doing their research and not just being lazy about it and showing us George Washington, but showing us the backside so that you can't dispute it. But he picks up the stack of $25 bills. Underneath that is a letter. The letter is addressed to somebody. The letter has a zip code. Now, I will give them full props for it being the right zip code. It's 10025, which is exactly where this action is supposed to be happening, you know, right around Battery Park. Okay, it's the right zip code. But it's a nine-digit zip code, and five-digit zip codes didn't even come in until 1963. Nine-digit zip codes don't come in until the 1980s. It should have just been addressed New York, New York, and been done with it. Uh, but it was it, maybe it's because I was watching an HD copy. I don't know why, how exactly I noticed this, but the first time through, I was like, "You got to be kidding me! That doesn't make any sense in the world." And then the big thing, and I think this is Stephen Moffat all the way, and I don't understand it. Why is it Winter Key, and why is Key spelled Q U A Y? That is, first of all, Americans don't use that word to describe what this is. They would say wharf. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why it wouldn't be Winter Wharf. That's more alliterative. And the fact of the matter is, Wharf is used equally on both sides. You know, there's Canary Wharf in London, and there's lots of wharves in, uh, you know, uh, America. Both sides of the Atlantic would have understood that. But I guarantee you that on podcasts that are hosted exclusively by Americans who are under the age of 30, somebody somewhere this week is going to say, "What's the key? What? Wh- and why is it Q U A Y? And it sounds like K E Y." They're going to be confused by that. I don't understand why such a Britishism was used in an American set. And, I, you know, I feel compelled to say that because, you know, it's printed everywhere. It's on the elevator. It's obviously up in neon a couple of times. Um, they're saying it all the time, and I really don't understand it. I'm not going to say that, you know, Q-U-A-Y, pronounced key, is never used anywhere in the United States, but... If it's used, it's used to indicate, you know, something that is highfalutin and something that's got, you know, some sort of airs and graces about it. Certainly, 
it doesn't really make a lot of sense that that's the way it's spelled, and it drew me right out of the episode. Now, that's all the sort of niggly little bits and some praise there, but uh, let's talk about what this really is. And what this is, is it is a companion-leaving episode. So how does it work as a companion-leaving episode? And I think it's quite fair to say that it's the least effective in the modern era. Um, it's certainly, it's not a patch on Doomsday, on uh, Last of the Time Lords, or on uh, Journey's End. The way in which those three previous major companions were written out, and, and even I guess we could throw in there um, Parting of the Ways, because that's Jack's last one too. Um, the way that all those companions were written out was good, it was poignant. Actually, even um, Adam Mitchell's last one. I mean, that's a great write out, you know, because it tells us something about the doctor, it tells us something about Rose, it, it, it's emotionally effective, and it's kind of funny at the end. All those companion write-outs, great. This one is good, but again, because uh, the surprise is spoiled by the trailer, which shows us that they're going to be, you know, again, these weeping angels in an episode, you know how it's going to end, and I think it's also just, you know, within the context of this series alone, it continues the series' attempts to sort of copy the RTD era, you know, because we have Asylum of the Daleks, which is really just Silence of the Library, and then you have Power of Three, which is really just the Christmas Invasion redone, and then you have this, which is absolutely Doomsday. I mean, it's really, really precisely Doomsday. I mean, there's major city threatened by an alien invasion. The Doctor has to figure out a way to avert that invasion, and he figures out how to do it, but it appears to sort of compromise the safety of his companions. The companions appear to figure out a way they'll be able to keep traveling with the doctor, but at the last moment, they fall victim to the problem that they thought they had solved. I mean, it's exactly Doomsday. It really, really is. Um, and it's just not as good as Doomsday because, again, we know from the start of this episode, because of the way it's been marketed, because of the way they've separated the seasons, because of everything surrounding it, the trailer and all that, we know exactly where this episode is going. We know how it's going to end. So how could it possibly be as emotionally effective? And I think also, you know, Risen Alien has made this astounding point uh, that there are all these things that have been set up during just this series that go nowhere. Nowhere. I mean, why do we have this isolated incident of marital friction in Asylum of the Daleks. You know, if it went through this series and we were having little fights along the way and they were really trying to um, work out their marriage and it wasn't just this quick fix thing and you get to this moment where, you know, there they are standing on the ledge, are you going to jump with me? And they decide to jump. There would not be a dry eye in the house. But because that, that sort of marital friction is resolved with the wink of an eye or the blink of a, a, um, a sonic screwdriver, who cares? You know, I mean, it, do, it feels emotionally bereft, you know. Um, I think it, it is effective, the, the, the moment, you know, one of the criticisms of the Moffat era, especially of Series 6, is this whole power of love ending, you know. Will the father's love of the son figure out, you know, some way that they're going to defeat the aliens? You know, will, um, in Series 5, you know, will Sophie's love for what Craig, you know, defeat these aliens that are in the attic? Yes, it will. Okay. 
I think that this is, again, a power of love ending, but it's a lot better. It's at least, I'm going to give it credit for being better than uh, what Stephen Moffat has usually reigned over because they don't win. Ultimately, they do lose, and, and yet they are together. And, that, and it's a good thing in isolation. And I, I really feel like people who are casual watchers of Doctor Who and, and maybe um, Resident Alien's um, anecdotal evidence from his daughter is an indication of this. I think people who just are coming into this episode casually will probably walk away thinking it's a great episode because I think in isolation it is. But does it really make sense emotionally? Do you really buy that Amy would go back in time for Rory? I don't. I don't believe that at all. I think it's out of character for her to do that. I think she should just run off with the doctor and say, Doctor, take me to a place where you can erase my memory of Rory, and we'll just keep on traveling. And the doctor will say, okay, and there we go. I mean, I think that's much more in the, the vein of uh, what Amy is about as a character. This whole business of, you know, five episodes ago I was going to divorce you, but now I'm by your side and I'm going to push you off this ledge. It's a great moment in isolation, but does it make sense for the character? No. And because it doesn't make sense for the character, uh, you know, I think that that makes this episode less valuable as the episode in which they get written out because I think if you look at what is great about all of the RTD companion write-out episodes every one of the reasons for the companions being written out absolutely go to the core of what that character is you know Rose the core of the character of Rose is I am not leaving the doctor under any circumstances there is no way I will lose my entire family, but I will stay by the doctor's side. And so because, you know, she gets sucked into the vortex and there's nothing that, or it's the void, and there's nothing that she can do to stop it, that's poignant. You know, she didn't want it. She's ripped apart from the doctor. And so you cry because you know that is the last thing she wants. With um, Donna, you know, because she gets... Uh, her entire progress as a human being ripped away from her. That takes away her entire character. You know, the whole thing about Donna is she's growing. She's becoming a lot more than she is. And so it's tragic because she gets all of that thrown away. Here, though, you know, a Amy leaves the doctor because Amy chooses Roy. I'm, I'm, I just, I don't, I don't buy it. I just don't think that that is what that character would do. And here's the, here's the real thing about this. Um, <laughs> it's nowhere as good as Doomsday, which is clearly is copying, because the ending is predictable, and because the reason for the separation just it feels like a total lie. You got Matt Smith over there acting his little heart out, saying, "There's no way I can go back. This is creating a fixed point in time. I can't. Ah, uh, I can't go there. I've got to. Uh, you know, you're going to be lost forever to me." Which, what does that sound like? I mean, think back in your mind. If you're a classic series fan, what does that sound like? Time Flight, Episode 1, Scene 1. No, Tegan, we can't go and rescue Adric from that spaceship because it's vital that he be there, which is crap. The body weight of Adric has nothing to do with the effect of exploding that uh, that spacecraft on Earth is going to have. There is no reason in the world why the Doctor can't go back, get these people, and save them. 
It's just crap. And it's made abundantly clear that it's crap because what does he do? He sends River. He says, you, River, go write this story, get it published by your mother. So if River can go back and have an interaction with these people, why in the world can the doctor not go back? It doesn't make any real sense. And as has been pointed out, I think, by Perry, you know, in his questions, why do they have to stay in New York? Indeed, why do they stay in New York? The, why, is, why are they fixed to this stupid tombstone, which has no dates on it, which there's no tombstone in the world that would be written, oh, aged 82, we're done. Aged 87, we're done. We're not going to give any dates, birth, death, doesn't matter. They're just 82. Why would they stay in New York? Here they, they've traveled all around the universe. They have a taste for that, a thirst for that, a hunger for that. And you're telling me that for 50 damn years, they stayed in the city of New York, never said, let's go to Wyoming, never said, let's go to Oregon, never said, hey, let's go to Alaska, never said, let's go back to London, never said anything, just stayed in New York for 50 years until they died. I just, I don't buy any of that. Darth, maybe it's a red herring. Maybe their story is not done. Oh, God. And, and <laughs> I, I, I know what you mean there, Darth, but um, yeah. I, I had that thought myself last night watching the episode. So, yeah, I yeah. have a problem. I mean, maybe. Sorry, go ahead. I'm I mean, sorry. No, no, I was done, Darth. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's just one of those things where it's like, the first time you watch it, and you watch it in isolation, and I, and I will admit to you, the first time I watched it, I, I was on board. You know, the, the structure of it pulls you along nicely. You get to the end. And the one really great thing, the only, you know, we've been talking now for like two years. Are they going to resolve all these little points about Amy's life? Are we going to figure out, you know, exactly how did she reassemble the universe? Are we going to find out, uh, you know, who exploded the TARDIS. So we're going to find out all these little things um, that have been dropping in her timeline the entire time. No, we didn't find out any of this. But I tell you what, you've got to give Moffat credit for one thing, and that is the very end. At least we ended this character on the better portrayer of the character. At least we ended with Caitlin Blackwood and not Karen Gillan. And not only that, but at least he did solve a mystery, which I can quite remember... Dave being concerned about, and I was concerned about yeah. too, and that is, you know, Wait. why why is it that little Amy waiting in the garden smiled? And did we hear the TARDIS over her, or did we hear it over the um, the shot of Karen Gillan from the, from the, the window? Yeah. Which one did we hear over? Now we know, well, we heard it over both. It was, you know, one when, we, when it's on Karen, when it's on Caitlin Blackwood, it's the 300-year-old doctor, and when it's... Um, on Karen Gill, and it's the you know one day old doctor, whatever. Uh, and that's great, and that, it was great to have a freeze frame. And I thought, you know, let's even though really she's just doing girl in the fireplace at the end there with the the voiceover and reading a letter from somebody he's kind of in love with, you know, and it's clearly borrowing from himself again. It still was quite effective, and uh, you know, I I even liked the fact that it faded to sepia and all that. That was nice. Um, but I but I do have to say. 
the, the acting at the end by Matt Smith in the TARDIS, especially, and and you know as he's losing these characters, I don't buy that part of it either. So I don't buy the Amy part of it because I don't think Amy would actually do that for Rory. I really just don't. Um, but I don't buy that the Eleventh Doctor is really that upset. I mean, it doesn't. I, if he's that attached to these people. Why does he go traveling alone for 300 years? I mean, you know, he's 300 years older than when he met them. So the majority of his life at this point, he's spent without them. So why is he so upset? Why does he not just take it as, okay, well, actually, this will work out okay. I can find a way to send them, you know, money, and I can figure out a way that they'll have a good life, and they might actually enjoy that because it's in the past, and they've enjoyed going to the past. You know, why does he look on it as this great failure when it's just another form of time travel it's they haven't actually died they're still going to live for roughly the same amount of years that they would have i just i don't understand why he's all that upset it the whole ending though the first time again the first time you go through it and i'm sure if you're not that big a fan you'll be like oh that's really kind of cool and clever and whatever but when you think about it it's like none of it really has an emotional center to it and at, at the end of the day, you know, the best thing I can kind of say about this thing is it's over. <laughs> I mean, Amy and Rory are done. I mean, I can't imagine trying to come back. And, and, I, and I, I would have to say it, it's over in a way that makes as much sense as the rest of their time on Doctor Who. This timey-wimey let's do something that seems cool but not really have any emotional backing to it. That is precisely what this era has been about. So this is the perfect way to write out those characters. That doesn't make it a great episode. That just makes it appropriate for an era that has been wanting and that I think we can now say is just an era that has a hell of a lot of questions in it and not that many answers. And hopefully... We are now going to move forward into something else that is going to be a little bit better. Okay. Can I stop you there, please, so we can just get to a yep. couple of more people? Okay, thank you. And Tom Baker's old scarf says, um, it makes for great TV, Darth, as simple as that. And and I think that was the point Darth was also making there for casual views. It was one of the strange things I noticed was the, the when you looked at the viewing figures on the site, you know, the viewing numbers went up about half a million for the last five, ten minutes. I'd never step into a Doctor Who episode to watch the last five minutes. You know, if you know, if I missed the first two minutes, I wouldn't watch it. I'd always record it. But there you go. I'll play one more clip, then we'll go to uh, Ken. Sorry for the wait, Ken. No, no. Uh, okay, Forrest Kate. I always wanted to visit the Statue of Liberty. I guess you got impatient. What? What is it? What? Keep your eyes on that! Oh. Is there a way down? Ah. Uh, no. But there's a way out. Stop it, you'll die! Yeah, twice. In the same building on the same night. Who else could do that if I die now? It's a paradox, right? The paradox killed the angels. Tell me I'm wrong. Ruby said that this place would be erased in time, never existed. This this place never existed. What did I fall off? You think you'll just come back to life? When don't I? Rory! Oh, anyway, what else is there? Die of old age downstairs, never seeing you again. If you love me, then trust me and push. I can't. You have to! Could you? To save you, I could do anything. Prove it. No, I can't. 
take you too? You said we'd come back to life. I'm not at all. What the hell are you doing? Changing the future. It's called marriage. music was good in this episode as well but anyway let's go to ken and then i think ian there's just you and me to go okay ken yes okay of the five episodes this was the best i think this is moffat on his game again uh this is moffat channeling rtd getting undercurrents of emotion and the angels return to the way they should have been. Dark, menacing, subtle. This is something uh, we didn't see last time around. Um, I love the homage to uh, Pulp Fiction and Film Noir that uh, director Nick Hearn uh, beautifully did. Use of shadows, cinematography, really top-notch. And... We have an opening credit that each opening credit uh, sequence uh, changes for the episode, and this one seemed dirge-like uh, in the color scheme. So I think that was that was really interesting. Um, I love the use of the Melody Malone uh, uh, crime fiction novel. I think that was really uh, really cute. The uh, doctor's new catchphrase, yowza, and the uh, descriptions, I think, were dead on. Um, important thing about this episode was, was it a good uh, companion send-off? I think this gave validation uh, to Amy Pond. I think this, like school reunion, when we had Sarah Jane talk of how she was hurt to be separated from the doctor, how it affected her life, uh, the terrible changes, etc. Um, I, th- I think that we can look back now on the episodes with Karen Gillan. And yes, we didn't have the shading we should have had. We a lot of the things that have been done in the past five episodes that I enjoyed, I wanted them before. I think Moffat is, as a showrunner, uh, accentuates too much on plot concerns. RTD gave us just devastating character, wonderful background with family, and I've missed that. Um, I think Stephen Moffat in these basically standalone episodes had a nice mixture of feeling. The thing that got me about the episode, it wasn't just the triumph of love. It was Amy, rather than talking about how much she cares in the way that Rory did, I felt it this time around. I felt that... uh, she would sacrifice everything for him. 
he's played out a really great love story. And yes, I teared up at the end. I I do when I see good fiction that does that. I can go through the the quibbles about does it remind me of certain other episodes or um, this aspect or that or the validity of the Statue of Liberty moving. I, I thought it was outlandish. But again, in a series where the TARDIS can return the Earth back to its gravitational pull, and I'm clapping like a five-year-old, I, I don't just see the problem there. I think it goes into um, what you're going to accept, how much you're willing to have the sense of wonder wash over you. And this episode did that for me. Um, I really liked the use of River Song this time. The um, relationship progressed between her and the Doctor. And it does seem like this is the most recent use of the character, being that uh, she's uh, free of captivity. I don't know how this is, how close this is to Silence in the Library or not. Um, but I don't think it's the last we've, we've seen of the character, and I'm glad of that. Now, overall, I'm, I'm not pleased at the open-ended questions that Moffat has left us. Is he going to ever answer those? That, that, that's a big mistake. He, you just don't throw those things out there and, and leave them in the air juggling. I, I really wish on that. Um, something else occurred to me on this episode, and it's another burden for the doctor. Amy and Rory are now out of time, out of their own time, forever gone. What about Rory's dad, Brian? What about Amy's parents? They'll never see their children again. Is the doctor just going to leave it that their children are missing, reported dead. Is he going to say something? Is this going to be some after coda that they'll they'll have in some book somewhere or not? You know, I'm I'm wondering about that. I I think that would have been a uh, something nice to add to the episode in the narration, even a a throwaway line or two. But you know, all in all, um, it was a brilliant episode. I would give it um, five TARDIS groans. I um, think that he did a great job on this, and uh, I can't wait to watch it again. And I'm looking forward to next year, and can't wait till Christmas. Okay. Thank you very much, Keith. Excellent. Right, I'm, I'm going to play... We've got two clips. Uh, Ian will be playing the last one, which is the, the afterword, the the voiceover bit. But I'll play one more clip and then have my say. And then, if you'll excuse me, then I'll be ducking out. Uh, Doctor Who Podshop is just going live uh, over on the Talk Show ID. Uh, I'll put it in the text a minute ago. It's there somewhere. Uh, <laughs> 23358. Anyway, here's the last main clip. Amy, come see this. What? The gravestone here is all with the same name as me. What? Doctor! Huh? Where the hell did that come from? It's a survivor. 
Very weak, but keep your eyes on it. Where's Rory? I'm sorry. Amelia, I'm so, so sorry. No. No, we can just go and get him in the TARDIS. One more paradox. Would rip New York apart. Well, that's not true. I don't believe you. Mother, it's true. The angel, would it send me back to the same time to him? I don't know. Nobody knows. But it's my best shot, yeah? No! Doctor, shut up! Yes, yes, it is! Amy, well, I just have to blink, right? No! It'll be fine. I know it will. I'll, I'll, I'll be with him like I should be. Me and Rory together. Stop it! Just, just stop it! You look after him. And you be a good girl and you look after him. You are creating fixed time. I will never be able to see you again. I'll be fine. Come back into the target. <laughs> Raggedy man! No! Yeah, there you are. I'm sure there's a few people muted during that bit. Uh, let me have a bit. Uh, wasn't totally unqualified, but I do, I do agree and concur with most people. It was probably the best episode of a not entirely strong season. Uh, and uh, I, f- I found also this season has been one of the ones where I found it uh, you definitely need to watch any episode more than once. Uh, maybe not in the case that Dal said that this one goes worse after the second watching, but um, certainly, um, I, I've, I've, I mean, I wasn't on some of the earlier ones, and we'll talk about this next week when we're doing a review of the whole five episodes. Um, you know, I, I wasn't entirely entertained. Uh, and I think this is where the casual viewer probably would uh, enjoy it. Um, a few things. Um, the um, I'm wondering whether this late development of uh, Rory and their, their uh, Rory and Amy and their coming together and uh, and her realization that uh, you know uh, that she should stand by a man. I'm wondering whether it's been written in late simply because they didn't know when these actors were leaving uh, and maybe they had to sort of you know shoehorn in a few change of directions with them so that they could leave together. I uh, just thought that. I thought the thing in the basement was was good with you know with rolling with the matches, but I, I I assume that it was only good if you can take the point that the cherubs are undeveloped uh, ones and maybe not able to um, zap Rory and Amy into past. Although I'm just correcting myself as soon as I say that yep. because actually Rory was moved into past from the cherub that came from under the fountain. So you saved me from yeah. correcting you, Dave. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm getting good, getting good. Um, yeah, it was, it was the Dixon Hill episode, wasn't it, from Star Trek Next Generation, in one sense. I didn't like the uh, the Statue of Liberty moving. I, I had uh, problems with that, like Jeff. And uh, But I take the point that if we hadn't heard the footsteps, that would have worked well. Um, it definitely seemed to me to be, um, you know, a wallpaper moment for, you know, for the imagery of it rather than it making sense. Um the, I, I thought that they, they would have stayed in America uh, because the gravestone was in America. So whether they'd move back to Europe and then come back to America, I don't know. 
Um, presumably, when they landed in the past, they had basically just the clothes they were standing up in. So presumably, they couldn't just get on the boat, a tramp steamer to the UK, because uh, they just wouldn't have the money. So they wouldn't have to stay in America for some time while they uh, got themselves uh, sorted out. Um, what, there was another couple of things that I, I wanted to mention, and that was, um, are all Americans in Doctor Who collectors? I mean, we had the one from the Dalek episode where he had a Dalek in chains and was sort of poking it with a stick to see what happened, and he'd not been able to get a reaction out of it, and it was when the Ninth Doctor uh, had that brilliant scene, seeing the Dalek, that, um, uh, you know, the, the, the collector found that issue. The other thing is, I've got to say, uh, I'm not really a very great Karen, Karen Gillan fan. But uh, in last week's, I actually thought she was acting in this week. Uh, don't shoot me for saying that, but I thought in the last few weeks, she's managed to get a much better handle on it. And I believed her dilemma there certainly at the end when she's deciding whether to touch the alien. I thought that was good. Um, and I love the fact that um, we had the young Amelia in the garden. I've been banging on about that since the end of series six, I think, that we still haven't had a resolution to that, so I was chuffed with that. Uh, but having said that, Darth, I'm slightly confused because in this good uh, in this afterword that um, played out at the end, um, it seems as though Amy's telling the young Amelia a lot of spoilers. She's telling them about the whale in the space and uh, this, that and the other, which one presumes wouldn't be something that the Doctor would do. Perhaps we've just got to assume that the Doctor wouldn't pass on those messages. But um, ah, I am but, pleased we did that. But, but you're, you're missing the broader point here. You remember oh. Beast Below? The, at least my, one of my major criticisms is how does she already know so much about the Doctor? You know, if you look at those first few episodes, that and Victory of the Dollar, you know, early, early stuff, she is acting like the viewer. She's in the sense right. that she already knows what the Doctor is like. So this very neatly, I think, helps Beast Below. It helps Victory of the Dog. It helps those early episodes, even Time of Angels. Where so her daydreams about the Raggedy Man weren't daydreams. They were just part remembering these stories that were told to her as a young girl, maybe. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's actually a little bit more than just explaining that one scene. It explains the, the whole way that, and a lot of people commented on this, the whole way that she is at a very early stage with the Doctor, knowledgeable about what a companion is, what the Doctor is, you know, how she's able to make that really freakishly big conclusion in The Beast Below of, uh, you know, that he is alone uh, and that he's like the star whale, information she couldn't possibly have at that stage. So it's, it's, it does help that part of the, the Moffat legacy a lot. And, I, and so therefore... It, it does deserve to be mentioned and teased out as a great thing. Okay, I, I'm going to have to wrap up one minute. One other thing that I thought was interesting, where she says, uh, the, the sorry, um, Riversong says, um, a Time Lord that goes around with a 12-year-old's face. And we still haven't had the first meeting from her point of view with the Doctor. I'm just wondering if, in some way, the Doctor, either by... Uh, you know, regeneration or whatever, meets her as a 12-year-old-looking doctor uh, when she's on the streets of New York. Uh, he knows everything about her. She knows nothing about him. Just a thought there. 
I mean, why did she say 12-year-old? We know that Silence in the Library, she said, you look old, so, so old. Maybe the first time she saw him, the actual doctor was only a young a, a young boy, or at least in appearance. But with that, I, 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 I am... I think it was a good reference to yeah, but, right, yeah, go ahead. Oh, you I, I just think it's a reference to his boyish features. So. Yeah. yeah, right. Right. Okay, there's just that one clip. Uh, we'll be back discussing the series so far next week. And uh, just in case you haven't heard it, do look out for our uh, interview with Houston Huddleston uh, about the uh, the Star Trek Next Generation bridge, uh, bridge restore. That's on our com page. And uh, hopefully you'll listen to that. And thank you for everybody. We've had in one week over 2,400 downloads. So absolutely fabulous. And with that, I'm going to leave you in Ian's hands. Okay. Um, Dave, remember to send me a reminder about something else. So <laughs> I don't okay, forget. Okay, I will do. Wait, we were last week. <laughs> All right. With that uh, odd, odd piece of information there. Um, I'm going to my review. Then um, I'll play the last clip, which is the afterword that we heard at the end of the episode. And while that's going on, if um, people would like to put uh, especially those of you in the text chat, put their uh, ratings uh, in the uh, in the text. All right. Um, it's actually a pretty good episode for me. Um, I, but I've, there I've learned my lesson, I guess, with, with Series 7 is I've, I've kind of um, turned off on, on certain aspects and tried to just kind of go along with the flow, you know, just kind of jump in the river and float. Um, it, I mean, I've got the same niggles as everybody else, but I don't think I'm going to focus on those right now because we've all bought them up. Um, some niggles that I want to bring up is what the heck is with the Rolls-Royce plaque that is in the TARDIS? Why is that there? And so neatly screwed on to the TARDIS. That's just odd to me. <laughs> um, the other niggle I have is uh, River actually did change the future because the Doctor didn't break her wrist. She broke her wrist. I mean, yes, her wrist ended up breaking, but the doctor didn't do it. So, uh, yeah, um, that, that bothers me a little. Um, the reference were at the beginning where uh, they're reading the book and uh, whoever wrote that part says, I saw him walking across the street, but he didn't see me. Does that mean um, that River was in New York with them and then she went back in time where he went it's an odd thing because we're we're getting the description of him walking across the street so otherwise yeah i don't i don't understand that description it just um seems kind of odd um i've got to give Muffet um at least some props for bringing me close to crying um i, I did get a little emotional at the end but um i'm sorry not a patch on on what rtd can do to me at the end of an episode um it's just the way I'm wired, you know. I'm not saying it's it's a good matter. Otherwise, it's just um, Russell has this you know ability basically that that I've never had in, in Doctor Who to uh, to to cry. Um, something Moffat has yet to do. Um, it's happened in Moffat's tenure, but um, not at the hands of his writing. So, um, and, and I've got to say that. 
it was quite satisfying for me the the ending of this, and I did say that on the Facebook page. I was just trying not to be too spoilerish by going into detail. And that's why I said it was satisfying. Is that um, and in, in the past, if you listen to this show, um, you've heard me complain about um, you know, about the relationship between Amy and Rory and why the heck he's with her because she doesn't really appear to care care about him at all. And finally. Um, Stephen Moffat gives me what I wanted all along. Um, she chooses Rory, and you know, even though it's meant you know separating her from from her current world and traveling with the Doctor. Um, however, okay, maybe I got what I wanted in the end. Um, she she chose Rory. Uh, I like the rooftop scene actually. Um, I was talking to another fan last night, and uh, they said oh, I was kind of hoping that. Um, you know, the, the die after they fell off the building. It's like, well, you know, that would have been quite fulfilling, but not good for the kids. Uh, so, <laughs> anyway, it's going to be a good thing. Oh, our heroes just jumped to their death. Yeah. Um, so many things just, yeah, you start thinking about it after I've watched it twice now. Um, and it's still, it's still entertaining. Um, just, you know, I just keep finding more niggles. Um, Yes, as Dar says, it was already done on Life on Mars, and brilliantly too. Um, but the glasses—that just—we had one mention of it last week um, in the Power of Three, where if you're listening, you hear the phone message that uh, Amy and Rory are listening to, but it's not—I don't think it's very clear who it's for—that their prescription is ready to be picked up um, for their glasses and. Uh, it just seemed kind of shoehorned in there. In other words, oh well, we want to give Matt glasses uh, next, you know, the next half of the series. So we're going to do this here, and so the Doctor will wear these glasses to remember Amy. Um, it was way overdone. Um, if they could have just sat on her face, it would have been fine. But she was constantly pushing them back up, and they were falling oddly, and it just seemed to be kind of hand-fisted in there, like you know, oh, we're going to make a point of these glasses. Um, the doctor's never really needed an excuse to bring out specs before. Um, it's been done, you know. And so, you know, some doctors actually need them and some don't. It, it just seemed kind of, like I said, it was it was like they were waving a, a big bright flag going, look at the glasses, look at the glasses. Um, I, was, I was a little disappointed that, but it's understandable too that we didn't get a, a really good, Send off for Rory. I guess that's what the the bit on the on the on the, the roof of the building was. Um, we got him doing his bit there, and then we got you know Amy doing hers. But it was just for him to be gone in a flash. It was both good and bad. It was like oh that's that's you know he's gone now. Um, and my question also about Rory going back is uh, that whole scene on the rooftop was okay if. If we die here, then that erases the the angels, and the, you know there's a paradox because you know they're dead. And so, if they do manage to send Rory back to where they had intended to send him in the first place, does that not then undo the paradox? Uh, you know, and does that mean then that when Amy goes back, the two of them are actually stuck at uh, at uh, in that building? spending the rest of their lives together, but with the angels who make a 
wicked cheese on toast, I've been told. Um, <laughs> it's interesting yeah, it was, that you say it was, that, Ian, because the, the script covers that very question, but it covers it in a way that says, don't ask that question. Because, mm. you know, when they when they wake up, whatever, from that experience, they were like, Doctor, why are we back here? And he, he just says, does it matter? Right. You know, you just are. Right. I mean, it's, it's it's very lazy. But, I mean, at least, you know, the question is, I guess you'd say a lampshade was put under whatever they say at TV tropes. But it's not satisfying. No, no. Um, I mean, the whole thing to me is... Uh, then why why at the the you know at the grave you know they keep putting them back there it's almost like the angels know what's going to happen and so they put them back there so they can be t- yeah yeah it doesn't pay to think too much about it it's it's and and I don't know if it sounds mean but it's just how I feel about Stephen everybody else is entitled to their and opinion the thing, but it is Stephen Moffat get... and <laughs> I'm sorry go ahead. I'm sorry no 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 oh no the great thing I really don't understand. I mean, fundamentally, that makes no sense to me. Why is his name on the grave if he's still there and hasn't been sent back through time yet? That doesn't right. make any sense. And not only that, why is it just his name? And why does her name get added only after she is sent through time? Right. I mean, beyond well, the I, fact that, get... again, there are no dates on the thing, which fundamentally bugs me. You know, why, is it, why does it work in the way that it works? Right. I mean, that's the, the the reason why I asked the question about uh, are they back in that um, hotel or whatever it is, is that when they arrive back there, his name is still on the tombstone as it was before. Um, so then, by them returning there, it's it's still a foregone conclusion that Rory goes back in time. Um, but it's not a foregone conclusion that Amy does until she makes a decision. So um, again, it's like. That's why I've taken the, the, the whole the thing. I watch them first. Is, our is base just, seems to be destroyed by the paradox. Yeah. That's what I yeah. glean from it. Right. So I, I think they can. They're not trapped in the hotel from hell. Right. I think we, uh, everyone wants to think that, <laughs> and I'm going to try to stop thinking about that because yeah, um, it becomes an issue. Uh, did anyone find the conversation that River was having with the doctor while they're cleaning up the TARDIS kind of odd? I don't know. I've, I've yet to listen back to it and, and be fully paying attention to everything that's being said. But there seems to be an odd thing in the dialogue that just it's it's kind of you know sticking out like a sore thumb for some reason. Um, I don't know if it, any, it stood out for anyone else for any particular reason, but it just seems... Yeah, no, know, it is a... Uh, I mean, first of all... Along yeah. the lines of... Uh, so Rory and Amy, huh? You know. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I don't even understand why they're cleaning the TARDIS. Why did the TARDIS get messed up? I don't really get that in the first place. But, so but you're right. To get New York and the thing was on fire and stuff, you know. I, I guess, but, I mean, the whole thing is you've resolved a paradox, so therefore that never happened, right? Right. Aren't you just resetting back, you know, <laughs> And again, this is part of the thing of, oh, does it matter? You know, I mean, I, honestly, you know what the reason is. The reason is because they wanted to do it outside. They had this location. They couldn't go to another location. They had to do the scene there. And so the, there's no explanation for it. It's a behind-the-scenes imperative that it be within this location. So they just say, oh, you know, it doesn't matter. Why are you like this? Um, but no, that whole sequence is it, its very odd. I mean, I think that they're saying within the context of the episode, isn't it weird how Amy and Rory are the ones who solve this problem? 
Right. But it doesn't. The the the, the phrases don't make sense. Um, no, it just it just seems kind of like oddly assembled little conversation, which you know, and the whole thing with the the, the, the changing the lamp or whatever. Just an odd yeah. And why does she say, like, I'm looking at it right now, I'm looking at the captions, and the question is, from River, they're going to get terribly bored hanging around here all day. What? Yeah. I mean, what does that have to do with anything? Um, Yeah. It's a very odd line. Mm -hmm. I I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, it's just this thing that sticks out, and it's just I can't get past it every time I listen to it. It's like... It just sounds all weird. Like, like I was supposed to be reading something into what they're saying. Oh, Too many things with the Moffat error that's that's, that's yeah. like that. It's like we start looking for meaning when there is none. Because to be honest, and here's here's where I get really bad is that that he's posed so many questions and uh, and, and put all these things out there and not answered ninety percent of them. Um, oh, yeah. Like everyone else said before me today, you know, we still don't know why the tires exploded. Who was responsible for it? Uh, and I don't know. And with with, with Amy Gong, does that mean we're never going to find out? And now, really, for casual viewers, it's too damn late. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But no, I mean, everything about that that sequence, you know, she, the um, there's that really weird line. You know, why you're right. Wait, hold on, I just had it. Um, <laughs> but I mean, there's the whole thing of yeah. He says. She says, don't you think the TARDIS needs a repaint? And he says, I've been too busy lately. What does that mean? Haven't yeah. they just come from the last scene? Wasn't she with him the whole time? Does this mean that um, they were separated? Does this mean that there's been years between that last scene and now? I, that I don't really understand. I, I think okay. the implication is that there has been more time elapsed for the Doctor and River than there has been for... Amy and Rory. I guess that's the implication we're meant to take away from it. Right. And, you know, especially Bulb on Top needs Bulb on Top. Wait, 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 wait. Bulb on Top. That's why he changes the Bulb on Top in Pond Life. Mm. And, and, and uh, by the way, there you go, Mike. <laughs> There's your Bulb reference. I- <laughs> I guess. I mean, I guess that's what that's meant to make you think about. Oh, no, no. He says, I just changed it. No, no, no. So it's not, it doesn't go from this to Pond Life. It's after. He just changed it. Mm. But yeah, the whole thing is so, so Rory and Amy then. That's what River says. And then he says, yes, I know, I know. I know what? And then she says, I'm just saying. They're going to get terribly bored hanging around here all day. What does that mean? Well, it, to me, it it almost seems like that the Doctor and River are going to go do something by themselves, and then um, here comes Amy and Rory, and they want to go to the pub, and then at the end of that mm. piece of dialogue, uh, set of dialogue, the Doctor says, then it's a family outing. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, let let, let me finish yeah. and then we can uh, wrap up. Sorry, yeah. if I don't, if I, no, it's okay. Because um, these are things I, I, I want to answer too. But I've, there's other things roaming around in my head. If I don't get them out, I'll forget. <laughs> um, the other line there too at the end too is where he says, uh, "Don't do that again." And what do you mean? He goes, "No, I mean me." 
doctor says I should, you know, like he shouldn't do that again. I, you know, whether you mean living through that moment, I don't know. Um, the one line I really, really did like uh, came from Amy, uh, where she spoke to her daughter like a mother, um, in an emotional tone rather than just a kind of "I'm your mum, shut up," you know, for the first time. Uh, yeah, for the first time, she's just and and I, I loved it. Actually, actually probably the, the the line that actually made me almost start crying was was her talking to her daughter that way um, and saying, "You you be a good girl and you look after him." And I, you know, that was actually really kind of cool. I like that. Um, oh, and I've I've got to return to being normally in and saying um, Alex Kingston's cleavage in this was divine. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. It's just you know, fabulous. <laughs> and I think that's almost all the points I had. Just you know, it wasn't a bad. It wasn't a bad episode, even though I brought up a whole lot of things. If you switch off, if you switch off and just enjoy it, it's, it's kind of cool. And uh, we, yeah, I have problems with the Statue of Liberty wandering around, but it's kind of worth it for Rory's line, although. I am mad that they used uh, Statue of Liberty in the beginning. I'd actually seen uh, a preview clip that was aired on Space, um, which had that line from Rory, and you could see the Statue of Liberty in behind him. And it was funny, but unfortunately, it's not as funny once you see the you know the head of the Statue of Liberty behind the detective. Um, so it kind of robs us of, of, of I think, uh, the fun of Rory um, with that line uh, did like his reference to, you know, him dying again. Yeah, uh, that was quite neat. Um, but yeah, all in all, it's it's not a bad one. Um, it was just you know kind of uh, yeah, it's satisfying. They're they're gone. They're locked away. Um, but can we please stop having companions? And this is for all the eras that are so damn important to everything and everyone that they have to be locked away somewhere, either locked away in their own head, uh, locked away in an alternate universe. Um, you know, we just, you know, you're the most important person in the universe, so this is what's going to happen to you so that we can never see you again. Yeah. You know, it'd just be nice if they just dropped them off at home and, and said, well, you know, it's been great, Doctor, thanks. Oh, that's the last thing I wanted to bring up. I know it would have been really kind of uh, Wilf, um, Kent Doctor, but I just feel like we got robbed of, of the Doctor um, and talking to, to, to Brian. It's just... Yeah. It seems what's a bit the point of having got that character? You, yeah, what's the point of yeah. having gotten that character and having the, the line from last week of, you know, they're never going to... Yeah. Not them, Brian, not ever them... If you don't go back and pay that off, right. that's the whole thing. Exactly. I think, like, like, what yeah. was saying is, there's so much that's been possible within this five episodes dramatically, and yet very little right. of it was actually used in this episode. But if it was out of order, then that line has a different take on it. You know what I mean? If he said it after the Doctor already knew what happened to Amy and Rory. 
Can't be then what what does he do? What does he say to that? How is it out of order? Well, uh, I had the theory that these episodes are played uh, not in the order that the doctor is experiencing them. In other words, this story, the angel story, takes place before last week's Can't. The Power of Three. Can't. Because he's in a scene with Brian where they're looking at Amy and Rory. So Amy and Rory at that point are not sealed off. So they can't be asked. But, But they are to the Doctor because the Doctor experienced that first. Because he should have known about the glasses and he didn't. You see where I'm going yeah, there's with that? Yeah, some odd things, and this is, uh, this is the thing where, where, where it bugs me about Stephen Moffat, is he introduces these things that we've got to think about. Uh, we know that there's been some, you know, um, messing around with the sequence um, that the Doctor is experiencing things. Um, you see a concerned look on his face in Dinosaurs on the Spaceship at the very end there, like he knows that the end is coming um, for them, and that he may have already seen it, I don't know. But there's been no resolution. And I'm sorry, we can't be expected to wait until the next companion that comes along to find that out. Um, we can't wait till Christmas. We can't wait till next year. You know, you've got to resolve these things now. I mean, at least last time when he played around with, you know, time, you know, we got the the future Doctor going back through his own, you know, timeline thing, and, and that got resolved. We got that. We found out what that was all about. And and you know, a lot of fans that had had spotted it were quite chuffed with themselves. Um, but uh, yeah, back to my point, the, the the thing that would have tipped me over and made me cry like a baby at the end of that episode would be the Doctor having to go back there and basically tell Brian he could never see his son again, but they're alive, but he could never, ever see his, his own son again. That would have just, that would have floored me. I would have been done. Um, and it was missed. It's like, why? I mean, why introduce the man's father and why have him say those things and, and send them off on their adventures? Brian's partially responsible right there for saying, go with them, you know, but you take care of them. And take care it, of them. It, it links everybody together right there, and we just lost it all at the end for yeah. basically and a stupid voiceover, you know. Which didn't really need to be there. You know, you totally could have had me, Stephen, and, and you lost it. I would have been a mess on the floor, frankly. You could have. Aaron, you could. It's like it's understandable. It's like here's here's Brian, and he's just lost his son. It's like. Phew. You could even <clears throat> have done it non-verbally, and shown yeah, I mean, the doctor in the doorway just, and Brian closing the door, and we would have and do a music coda. We would know what's coming next. Yeah. It would have been so simple to just, but yeah, it's like missed opportunity. But again, you know, we don't know whether he's playing with the order of things, and we'll never know because I'm sorry, Stephen Moffat doesn't have a history of explaining things, and and that's just really kind of bugging me here that we're not getting answers to things, and the more time goes on, it looks like we're not going to. So, and and you know, to have, to introduce a new companion. You know, coming up, uh, it just seems like then the wrong time. Unless it's going to be a big exposition at the end of the, you know series seven next year. Yeah, I mean, I think 
it is still possible, though, that you could bring back Brian for an episode or mm. something. Uh, and that, you know, I mean, that character, that character has gone down really well in the fan community, probably just gone down really well, I'm sure, with the production company, because I'm sure that they really liked working with him and everything. And so you can, you can imagine there could be, you know, a, an episode with a new companion, but they, you know, he has to go to see Brian to tell him about what happened. I mean, you could, you could see that sort of thing happening, and it would be fine. But you're right. I mean, it should have happened within the context of this episode. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, it totally would, like I said, totally would have pushed me over the edge. And, and you know, I don't think anyone, whether they're a fan of, of Stephen Moffat or Amy and Rory or anything, I think it would have, it would have just hit everybody regardless. And, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, we just we just missed it. Missed it by that much. <laughs> All right, I think we're going to wrap up here. I'm going to um, play this last clip and then uh, quickly go around the room and also read out the uh, the ratings in the text chat. Um, so here we go with the last clip. Okay, this book I've got to write, Melody Malone. I presume I send it to Amy to get it published? Yes, yes. I'll tell her to write an afterword. Afterword by Amelia Williams. Hello, old friend. And here we are. You and me, on the last page. By the time you read these words, Rory and I will be long gone. So know that we lived well and were very happy. And above all else, know that we will love you always. Sometimes I do worry about you, though. I think once we're gone, you won't be coming back here for a while, and you might be alone, but you should never be. Don't be alone, Doctor. And do one more thing for me. There's a little girl waiting in a garden. She's going to wait a long while, so she's going to need a lot of hope. Go to her. Tell her a story. Tell her that if she's patient, The days are coming that she'll never forget. Tell her she'll go to sea and fight pirates. She'll fall in love with a man who'll wait 2,000 years to keep her safe. Tell her she'll give hope to the greatest painter who ever lived and save a whale in outer space. Tell her this is the story of Amelia Pond. And this is how it ends. Alrighty, then that's that. Okay, I'm going to quick around the room, see if anyone's got anything quick to add, because we would like to get out of here. Um, and any ratings that you might have. Again. Uh, well, nothing really else to add, but I would have liked, amidst all the antiquities and the Indian vases and the angels, I would have liked a Maltese falcon in the background. <laughs> I think that would have been nice. <laughs> that would have been a nice touch. But uh, really enjoyed the episode, uh, despite the unfinished questions and all of that. But five out of five for me. Okay, thank you very much, sir. Willis Girl. 
Um, really enjoyed this episode. Uh, for me, it was a five out of five. Only thing is, I want Rory back. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> All right, Jeff. There's a lovely illustration on Doctor Who and the TARDIS on Facebook. It has it's made in shades of blue and gray. Has the TARDIS in the background and the Doctor and Brian in the foreground, and it just has the Doctor kind of leaning down, looking down at the ground, and he's saying, "I'm sorry," and Brian just drops the the water can that he's holding and. It's just a lovely illustration. Um, one other thing about the the end of the episode with the afterward uh, that kind of hit home with me is Amy says in that afterward, hello, old friend. And if you're a Babylon 5 fan at all, you know that Commander Sinclair always, when he addressed uh, Garibaldi, he said, hello, old friend. And... Of course, uh, the actor that played Commander Sinclair, Michael O'Hare, just passed away on Friday. So that was kind of odd timing for that to happen in this episode with that phrase in it. But it, it just it did hit me a little bit in the heart there. Um, excellent episode. Uh, had some niggles, but uh, 4.25 out of 5. Okay. Thank you, sir. Mark. Oh, hello. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, enjoyed. He's enjoyed um, participating. We do one, one very last brief thing. I wonder if um, one of the problems with, with Moffat's whole writing of Amy is that he, he basically framed it as a departure of Amy at the end, and when we get this lovely scene with Amelia in the garden and everything which we were expecting. And when they're falling from the roof, you know, he's calling Amy, he's not calling Rory. And I think one of the problems is we've actually all fallen in love probably with Rory more than we have with Amy. So to make this the sort of the end of Amy, I think he's slightly, he slightly missed something about his, about his own writing because he's created this lovely character of Rory, which, who we love. I mean, I was, I was Rory. I was sad to see going at the end. So a little bit... I wonder if, you know, he, he begins by framing the whole thing at the beginning of season five as Amy's story. But so by the end, it's not Amy's story at all. It's the story of the two of them. And, you know, River is the, is the result of the two of them being together. And it's the whole, it's, so that, 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 that attempt to bookend it was kind of moving and great and all the rest of it. But I just wonder if he, he slightly missed a trick at the end there, you know, because Rory's the one that we've, we've really sort of uh, learned to love to. So... Uh, that was just sort of one extra thing I wanted to throw in when we were chatting about uh, the Pond's departure. But yeah, I, I, I still love the episode. I, 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 I suspect it's one that's going to annoy me the more that I think about it, which is one thing I'm worried about. I think that the niggles, the niggles are going to get bigger, I suspect. But I think that's more than compensated for for me just by the, I know I said it before, but the gorgeous look of it. I just think it looks so beautiful that it's one I'm going to really enjoy watching again. Okay. Thank you, sir. And uh, Darth? Um, you know, the one thing I didn't really talk about was the fact that, yet again, we have what is essentially the end of a season, more or less. And there's no in-narrative reference to the Christmas special. And this was a, a thing that RTV always did, almost always did. Um, and it, I think it really helps to drive people to the next episode. And I think I think it's a shame that there, you didn't have... Again, you know, the sad moment and then 
something that leads into the next episode. I think that was a very clever thing that RGD used to do, and I wish Moffat would do it, but uh, it appears not to be his style, and I think it's very much to his detriment that, uh, or to the detriment of the show, that you, he doesn't want to avail himself of the opportunity to create enthusiasm for what's about to come. Um, even though what's about to come is, what is it? Is it three months away or two months away? Three months away, I guess. Mm. Um, but it's a shame that there's no you know, surprise bride in the TARDIS or something like that to, to end the episode. There we go. Um, I think it's probably only a two and a half out of five for me um, in a series that so far has rarely done better than uh, a three. So hopefully now that all this stuff is done with the bonds, we're going to be into better Doctor Who again. Alrighty, thank you, sir. And looking at the text chat, uh, Perry G has just shown up in time for the show to end. Um, but don't worry, I get the feeling you might hear more from him soon. But looking at the text chat, as I said, uh, Cyborg gives it a 3 out of 5. Brummy Time Lord, who's uh, departed already, uh, gives it a 5 out of 5. Uh, Tom Baker's Old Scarf, 5 out of 5. Uh, Jeff, as he had said, uh, 4.25 out of 5. Uh, my Tardis, um, hope you enjoyed the show. Um, hope to see you back here again. Uh, gives it a four out of five. Uh, Darth, of course, two and a half out of five, mostly for production values. Uh, five out of five from Willis Girl. Uh, five out of five from uh, Mark, Resident Alien. And I think I've got everything covered. Um, so, yes, what? there's nothing. What? 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 What's your rating? Oh. <laughs> What's your rating, Ian? Uh, I'm going to give it a four, mainly because it, it uh, mainly because she chose Rory. To be honest, um, that's 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 mainly the thing. Is is, is a, you know, it's what I wanted all along. I wanted her to to pick Rory because he deserved it. Um, and uh, I'm sorry. Do you actually believe that though? Does it make emotional sense to you that she chose him? As as I said in, in the beginning, I kind of you know jumped in the river and let it, let it carry me downstream. So the fact that I got her making that decision is enough for me, I guess, <laughs> without thinking about it too much as to whether she would or wouldn't. She did, and that's um, she is that, a character who progressed enough. from not even admitting that this was her boyfriend. So right. got at least a hand for yeah, that. She, she finally gets it right. Is is basically where I'm going. Uh, whether whether I believe it or not, she she did it. So, <laughs> oh, that's where I, I believed it. It's good enough for me. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, join us, uh, of course, uh, hopefully by, on Monday uh, for our Colton Collective commentary for this episode. Um, it should be an interesting one. Hmm, wonder what I mean by that. Maybe I'll uh, resolve that before the next episode. I'm like Stephen Moffat. Oh, what? What? <laughs> so, um, that. <laughs> Just stay tuned, yes. And, of course, uh, next week we're all going to get together and kind of cover everything. So um, more of the same next week, some Doctor Who, and then uh, then basically just hang with us until we get to Christmas. <laughs> all right. So until then, um, it's goodbye from Mr. Dave AC, who has uh, departed, but uh, will return next week. And it's goodbye from me. Goodbye, everybody.
is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.